0: back at it with The Astrology, my sweet, sweet babes. Before we got into the Tarot mini series, a good number of you had been asking me to do an episode on Chiron. There's no worries if you haven't heard of Chiron or you aren't quite sure what a Chiron is, because your girl's gonna tell you all about him before we dive into the astrological significances over the next two weeks. I think Chiron. Is the first astrology placement we're learning about that isn't like a planet. I mean, besides the rising sign, besides the ascendant, that was one of the first ones we really talked about. But other than that, it's really all been planet based at this point. Look at us, we're branching out. We're looking at other things in the chart now. You know, we got all those foundations, and I'm really excited to talk about Chiron. So before I blabber on anymore, you know, get on any tangents, let's give you that background and that solid foundation that you know I love oh so much. So as always, we're going to be starting with the mythology of Chiron. As with all Greek mythology, things can be a little muddled and often have lots of intertwining and twisting roads and a bunch of different stories that come together to make the myth that we know overall. So I'm going to give you the essentials here. And try to just make things as clear as possible. You're always welcome to look up more of the mythology later on on your own, but what I'm giving you here will definitely be a solid enough of a background. I just want you to know that there's more out there should you want to go looking for it. We're going to start off with some really hot tea, some like <laughs> boiling hot tea, so like just get ready for this. Chiron is the son of Cronus and uh, do you remember who Cronus is when speaking in Roman terms? That's Saturn. Cronus is Saturn, Saturn is Cronus, so that makes Chiron the son of Saturn. He was also abandoned by his parents and taken in by Apollo, the sun god, so that would be just the sun, you know, in Roman mythology. So talk about a nature versus nurture situation here. Saturn is your real dad. So you've got like all that going on. And I can only imagine the baggage that having Saturn as a dad would bring. But then you're adopted by the sun. And you kind of uh, learn to turn that grumpy wisdom into a tool to help others and be a light in people's lives. It's just a really interesting way to start this off. Chiron's dad is Saturn. He's adopted by the sun. And then when you think the family tree can't get any more shaken up, to top it all off, Chiron's half-brother is Zeus or Jupiter. So that's really, when you think about it, one hell of a Thanksgiving table. Like, could you imagine going to uh, your, you know, holidays and uh, you have uh, Saturn as your dad, your real dad, but then you have uh, the sun as your, like, adoptive dad who raised you and cared for you, and then your half-brother Is Jupiter, like you have the biggest frat bro of all time as a brother. So, yeah, interesting. And the dad that Jupiter and Chiron share is Saturn. So, that's also interesting. Just the whole thing all in itself. Really fun way to start this off. A little family tree there. The other thing about Chiron is that he's actually a centaur. So, he's half man and half horse. So, just like the symbol that we see for Sagittarius. That's what Chiron pretty much looks like. There were other centaurs too in Greek mythology, but Chiron was different. The other centaurs were those wild party animals that partook in all the indulgences that any typical character in a Greek myth does. They drank, they partied, they were lustful, and they were also just full of this untethered rage that they let explode whenever they pleased. They were really painted to be uncivilized. I think the whole thing about a centaur is, you know, half man, half beast, that the animal instincts, those animal urges are not contained. But that wasn't true for Chiron. Like I said, Chiron was the natural son of Saturn, and that should tell you pretty much everything you need to know about Chiron's personality and uh, what he kind of stood for. But I'll explain it a little further. Chiron had discipline and he was wise beyond his years. He was well known for being a teacher or a tutor to those that seemed like promising and dedicated students. And among those students was Hercules. And a quick side note whenever I talk about Chiron himself, I can't help but make the obvious parallels between him and Sagittarius, the helpful philosopher and teacher, but then also the dark side of the centaur the wild and uninhibited party animal. This myth really shows the duality of the centaur itself and also Jupiter being Chiron's half-brother and Jupiter's the ruler of Sagittarius. There's just so much going on in this myth and I think it really shows the relationships of uh, astrology and mythology and how they kind of intertwine really well. Another fun thing about Chiron is that he was immortal. I guess when your dad is the father of time, you get the luxury of like not being bound to time in any physical form. This allowed him to be the eternal teacher for the gods and the heroes. He trained in the areas of philosophy, medicine, archery, music, battle, and even the art of prophecy. And that was all thanks to his adoptive father, Apollo. Apollo really took him under his wing and taught him all these beautiful skills and things like that. So Apollo was a big influence on Chiron. Overall, Chiron was a sweet, gentle centaur that was sought after for his wisdom. And he was also really good at astrology too. So that was one of his other like you know, things under his belt that he had. He was really good at astrology. I mentioned that Hercules was one of his students. Hercules was a guy that had a lot going on, (laughs) to say the least. He was busy doing his 12 labors, which that's a whole other myth entirely, and if you want to look that up, go ahead. It's the 12 labors of Hercules. It's a fun story. Look into it. It's pretty long, but it's good. He was just generally bumbling around and being Hercules, you know, doing Hercules things. Now, there's multiple versions of how what I'm about to tell you all went down, but long story short, Hercules killed Chiron. We know a few things for certain. Hercules was a student of Chiron, so they had that pre-existing relationship. Hercules was actively pursuing his 12 labors and had recently slain the Hydra, which then he used the Hydra's poison to coat his arrows in and just, like, carried them around with him at all times, as one does when they are, you know, half- god half mortal, you know, just carrying around your poisoned arrows all the time. And here's where it gets murky. Somehow one of those poisoned arrows hit Chiron. Some stories say it accidentally pricked Chiron while Hercules was visiting. Others say Hercules accidentally shot Chiron while shooting a group of wild centaurs that started to attack him. After he opened this weird bottle of wine. There's always wine involved in these stories. That's just, that's a very Greek thing to have wine be the crux of a story. And there's even a story where Chiron takes an arrow out of one of the other centaurs that Hercules shot, and then he accidentally drops it onto his own foot. However, it happened, it's clear that it was an accident and that Chiron was hurt big time. For those of you listening very closely, you might be asking, how did Hercules kill Chiron if he said he was immortal? And to you, my sweet, actively listening babes, I say good catch. Yes, Chiron is immortal. The arrow itself didn't kill him, but the unbearable, never healing, constant pain and suffering from the wound, now that's what did him in. It's said that his other student, Achilles, watched him suffer for nine days until Chiron couldn't take it anymore. And you can think of the term Achilles heel coming from that incident right there. Achilles had to watch his his mentor, his teacher, just suffer in agony and not be able to heal himself for nine days. Chiron actually gave up his immortality because that's something you can do, apparently. And he didn't just give it up in exchange for death. In one last act of generosity and kindness... Chiron asked Zeus, remember his half brother, if he could give up his immortality in exchange for Prometheus's eternal suffering in order to set him free. Now, I know I'm bringing another character into this, Prometheus, and you might be asking, who is Prometheus and why was he sentenced to eternal suffering? Like, what's going on here? Well, you see, my sweet babes, Prometheus had been punished by the gods for stealing fire and giving it to man and was currently serving a life sentence of having his liver ripped out by an eagle every day, only to have it grow back every night, and then have it happen all over again. It's honestly a really good story, and I suggest you look that one up too. So if you're not going to look up the, the 12 labors of Hercules, definitely look up the one about Prometheus, because it's solid. I really like that one. Hercules physically freed Prometheus from his chains because, like, you know, he was chained to a rock literally where his liver would get ripped out. And then Chiron absorbed his eternal suffering and died. And, you know, Chiron gave his immortality away in order to stop his own suffering and then to stop someone else's suffering as well. Once Chiron passed away, he was given a place among the stars as a constellation. And other stories say he was given a place among the gods. But I think having a place among the stars is pretty much having the same thing among the gods. They're one and the same, in my opinion. So that's the myth of Chiron in a nutshell. He was a wise and generous centaur whose wound that refused to heal ultimately caused his demise. This even garnered him the nickname the Wounded Healer. He was such a skilled physician. And a general healer to uh, himself and anyone who uh, encountered him. You know, he taught medicine, that was his thing. But in the end, he couldn't find a way to heal himself. And that's kind of the tragedy of this whole story. He had the skills and the know how, but his, uh, I guess, his immortality, you would think that would be a strength when really it was his downfall because he just had this wound that was painful and it would never. Ever heal, and he had to find a way to work within himself to figure out how to do that. And I think that's why we can all relate to Chiron, because as you'll see when we talk about the astrological significances, we all have a wound that is very hard to heal from, but it's not impossible. It's just that sometimes the answer isn't in plain sight. So that's the mythology of Chiron. Now let's bring it back down to Earth, and we're going to talk about the astronomy. Of the actual planetary body known as Chiron. So, the actual planetary body of Chiron was discovered in 1977. It was first thought to be an asteroid, and then it was called a minor planet or a planetoid, which that's an interesting planetoid. (laughs) But then it also displayed behavior of a comet. So, like, what the heck is this? They were, you know, we were looking at it and we're like, is it a comet? Is it a minor planet? Is it an asteroid? so at the moment it's technically classified as both a minor planet and a comet. Chiron resides between Saturn and Uranus. It's classified as a centaur, which astronomically speaking refers to objects orbiting between the outer planets. Other cool things about Chiron is that it might have rings, that's something that we have recently been looking at and discovering is that Chiron might have some sort of ring system similar to Saturn. You know, so if we're mixing the hard science with the mythology, then of course Chiron's going to have rings because uh, he's the natural son of Saturn and Saturn is has all the rings. That's what Saturn's known for. Physically though, Chiron is a small icy body of water, gases and organic material. Now, for the stuff that you babes have been waiting for, the astrological significances of Chiron. I've already mentioned that Chiron is known as the wounded healer, which that name really informs what Chiron signifies astrologically. Our natal Chiron placement points towards our deepest wounds that seem to be almost insurmountable, but it also indicates the way in which we should heal them, or To put it simply, they're the key to healing them. To me, and I think to most people that look at the symbol for Chiron, it looks like a key. And if we remember the mythology of Chiron, although he had a wound that could never be healed, he found a way to overcome it nonetheless. He had the key to end his suffering within him, just like we all do. First and foremost, Chiron shows us our wounds. It shows us what we carried with us into this incarnation and what we need to work on healing. This healing is a huge part of working towards living out our destiny and our true will. Chiron is one of the placements, uh, both house and sign, that I recommend looking at if you're doing shadow work. Because I mean, shadow work and eternal wounds, that just sounds like a match made in heaven to me or hell, (laughs) depending on your perspective. I mentioned in the Jungian archetypes episode and when you're doing shadow work that Chiron is absolutely one of the places that you need to be looking at, analyzing and thinking, how can I heal? What shadow is this? What archetype does this relate to? And I think it's very telling of uh, where you need healing and it just gives you really good advice on how to work with your shadows. So while we know that Chiron can show us our weak spots or our Achilles heel, what people often overlook is that Chiron also elucidates our innate healing powers. Everything has an opposite. Everything has duality. Chiron holds his own duality in that he was wounded and it was eternal, but he found a way to work with it regardless. Chiron shows us our eternal wounds, but it also shows us and gives us the tools to heal it, It won't be easy, and it takes a lot of self reflection and awareness. You have to be very aware of yourself and the situation, but it can absolutely be done. The sign and house in which Chiron is in is going to be really important, but I also think the aspects are too. I would go out on a limb and say that the aspects and the house are actually the most important in this scenario. Chiron takes about four years to transit a sign. So lots of people are going to have the same Chiron sign as you if they're close to you in age. But that doesn't necessarily mean they'll have the same wounds as you. They might be in the same ballpark and they might have the same overarching theme, but that's where houses and aspects really come in to refine the situation and to create your personal mythology. That's why I use the term personal mythology because... Everyone's chart is different in some way. Yes, you and I might have the same Chiron placement. We might have the same sign, but we're going to have a different house most likely. And if we don't have a different house, then we're definitely going to have different aspects, you know? And if we don't, if it's all the same, well, maybe we can work on healing our wounds together. Wouldn't that be nice? This is just me saying that for Chiron in particular, house placement and aspects are super, super important. Since I think the aspects and the houses are so important, and because I love you babes dearly, I'm going to do a three-part series for this one. Over the next three weeks, we're going to cover Chiron and the signs, just like we did with the planets, but then we're going to cover the houses and the major aspects. Now. I bet you're glad that I made you sit through all those foundational episodes about, you know, what are aspects and things like that, because now you'll know exactly what I mean when I say that Chiron in a dynamic aspect to the moon spells out deep emotional wounds and also possible trouble with prominent female figures. <laughs> That's just, you know, something off the cuff right now. I'm very glad that we are taking things slow and building these foundations because it's important. The more we move on, the farther we go in the podcast, the more in-depth it's going to be. So thank you all for really, uh, you know, learning. And I don't just make these episodes for my health. I would love to get to the nitty-gritty crazy stuff too, and we will get there. But this is why the foundational episodes are so important. So For anyone that's more experienced listening to the podcast, you know, thank you for hanging in there while we get through that. And anyone that's new to the podcast, I'm glad that you have a solid foundation to move forward. And I hope you're excited about Chiron. I know I am. Again, a lot of you have requested this one, and I think a lot of the requests came in after the Shadow Work series. I'm excited to see what you guys think about this, and I hope that it helps you dive into your shadows a little bit deeper. If you want more moon content before next week, go find me on Instagram at moonmatters.astro or on Twitter at moonmatters. If you enjoyed this episode, and if you're just like freaking stoked about Chiron, head on over to iTunes and leave me a cute little rating or review. That would literally make me just explode with happiness, and I would be eternally grateful. All right, my babes, I'll see you all back here next week. Later days.